You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 97, 98 of reading through the Bible and talking through it. Um, I think we both can agree. <laughs> Today we are going through Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6 through chapter 10. Yeah. And it is so remarkable and so good. I think we need a minimum of three hours to handle all the things I've written down and all the notes. So, hope you guys are ready. Yeah, so this is going to be a three... No, it's not going to be three hours. We actually don't know how long it's going to be, but we one thing's for sure, we're going to have to make some choices here. <laughs> what not to talk about. Yeah, some serious hardcore choices. So, get us into it, Matt. I mean, I already said the, the chapters, but let me just give the little song. I'm yeah. so excited. I'm Do the little flustered. Song. Do it. There's nothing bluesy about these chapters. These chapters are happy blues. I think, how would I do happy blues? Nah, it's still sad. <laughs> but uh, this, these chapters are amazing. So let's get into it. Chapter 6. We'll have to go chapter by chapter. Yeah, we just are going to have to do it. Here. Here. One word, and we'll get spend hours. <laughs> and in fact, it's the rallying cry for Israel, which is, Hear, O Israel. Our God is one God. Mm-hmm. So this is chapter 6, the greatest commandment. It's kind of how it's broken down. But throughout the history of Israel, they have something called the Shema. Mm-hmm. And it's this prayer. They would pray morning and evening. And the first part of it is to shut up, to be silent, and hear the Lord. And hear that the Lord is one. He is the God over all creation versus the Baals, who are God over rain, over earth, over war, over fertility. Like They all mm-hmm. have to be broken up. But hear, O Israel, first of all, listen. Put yourself in the position of listening to this God because this is the God that is one over all creation. Yeah. And I was thinking, too, that this is Deuteronomy, so it's the second telling of the law through Moses, and it's very, it's encased in kind of a first-person perspective. Moses has witnessed the great law as mediator. Yeah. So he's given the behind scenes. He's seen it all. The tell-all book about what it's like to be the mediator between the God of the universe and the people the God of the universe has chosen to love. And so this is the second. This is 2.0. Mm-hmm. You know? So think of your iPhone. Every, every eight months they come out with another one that's a little bit better. So this is better. This is a better telling, I think, because it's so encased in the works of God, what he's already done to create a people, to protect them, to provide for them. So the response, this is a better version, and the response is that, man... Let's be thankful and tell our kids to listen to this God, to sharpen ourselves by constantly hiding this word of God, putting the words of God on our heart, putting the words of God on our hands, putting the word of God above our doorposts. Like, mm-hmm. hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one God. And I mean, that's what it's saying. Put it on your heart. Put it on your hand. Put it, on your, put it everywhere. Yeah. And so this is where we get the summation of the whole law. Yeah. Down boiling down two statements, which is, and it's here in Deuteronomy, which I, I knew but kind of didn't know. Like I always thought, like Jesus or the, the Pharisees or the law- lawyers were kind of being clever, but it's right here in Deuteronomy. No, it's not. A, it's not hidden. And it, Jesus is quoting yeah, Moses. Yeah, and so Moses says it right here. Uh, the you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And, 
these words that I command you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your kids. Like he like immediately like boils it down to this is what it is. Love God with all your heart, soul, and might. Right. And, uh, and then he gives an amazing warning, which I love. And this is like a good for us too, especially in our context of America. Um, and the success that we are kind of always dealing with is he says the biggest problem that you're going to have to struggle with is when you actually walk into the things the Lord has for you. And he's like, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of slavery, out of Egypt. It is the Lord your God you shall fear and whom him you shall serve. And this idea of when you get all this stuff, and you see all these good things, don't forget that the, it was the Lord who gave it to you. Yeah. Like, I think one of our biggest problems is handling success and handling the gifts of God and because we quickly fall into this idea of, I did this for myself. I earned this. And then you begin to worship yourself and, or the things that, or the gifts. Right. And you try to struggle to keep them or maintain it instead of just going to God and being like, Lord, thank you. I'm going to humbly ask that you keep providing this to me. Oh man. I mean, chapter at the end of chapter six, he's talking about like constantly keep this before you. Mm-hmm. Like the remember, word, do not forget. Remember. And then which is where the idea for catechism mm-hmm. where you're teaching the kids comes from these passages. Right. Like teach your kids all these things. And then, um, just thinking about how in the sacraments you have um, baptism, which will restore people. You have Lord's Supper, which offers absolution, forgiveness. And then you have the Word of God, which uh, creates faith, works salvation. Mm-hmm. And so we meditate on the words of God that we approach with faith, and it's, it's, uh, it produces something life-giving. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm, we just got to move on. So well, well, chapter 7 starts when. Moses is saying, when you go into the land. Yeah. This is a foregone conclusion. You're mm-hmm. with the God who has made these promises. When you go in... There's things you must do. You have to do complete destruction. Yeah. You have to not marry, intermarry, because they'll lead you into idolatry. Mm -hmm. So then while you're there, you have to break down all their high places and all their idolatry. And verse 6 through 8 says why. Yeah. So again, like, so he lists specific nations and like people's groups that they have to wipe out. Yeah. And this always goes back to my kind of like obsession with genealogy. Is these are all the children of Ham, if you remember Noah's kids, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and Ham um, molests his dad, and Noah curses him, and and uh, says, your brothers will rule over, you will be slaves to your brother's children. So Shem is the uh, patriarch of Israel, basically, mm-hmm. and so... God is saying, go in and wipe out the children of Ham. You are the children of Shem. You're going to wipe these people out. These guys are evil. They've, they're just like their father, Ham. They're immoral. They worship other things. They try to control and dominate. And you are going to go in and you're going to wipe them out. And you cannot have anything to do with them because their line is cursed. And yeah. you are my chosen people. I have, I have picked you out of all the other nations and you are mine. And I'm going to give you this land. So don't fear them. Don't think they're greater than you. I am with you, and I am going to give this land to you. Sweet. And then in verse 6 and 8 is the one I love. For you, here's why. You are Mm -hmm. a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. 
out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to his, your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And then he goes on, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him. And he goes on, and then he goes on to describe the most amazing. So first of all, I'm just dealing with the fact that, again, you don't get love by obeying the commandments. You already are the product of a promise and a marriage between God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. You are the recipients. You are the promised children that he promised to Abraham, the nation. Mm-hmm. So his love is already poured out. You are his treasure. And now he's saying, I want to give you all good things. And then in the rest of chapter 7, I mean, it sounds like the gospel. It's right. a, I mean, love bless you, multiply you. Your fruit of the womb, you'll have children. The fruit of the earth, there'll be no disease. You'll have military victory. There'll be no fear. Remember Pharaoh? That's the template for your life mm-hmm. now. Like, look at Egypt, mm-hmm. and that's the template for where I'm leading you. And he says, little by little, I'll give you this land. That way, the beasts of the field don't come in and overwhelm it. If you empty it too soon and you're not ready to move in, it'll be just as difficult to clear it out again. So I'm going to do it little by little with you. And manageable pieces, yeah. Yeah, it's so amazing. And uh, But our brokenness blinds us from the reality of, um, of receiving this from God. So we instantly want to do it in our own. We, we return to slavery. Like, right. I would rather be enslaved to someone thinking that I could get these things on my own mm-hmm. than just receive them from God. Right. And what's sad is, like, you read this and you go, man, I would obey God. I would just do this. And the truth is, no, you wouldn't. Right the condition of your heart is so broken that God's saying, look, just remember. Remember these things and you'll be okay. But we can't. Yeah. And then... uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, Yeah. I wish we could. I wish we could. But remembering, though, is part of worship. So Mm -hmm. like in chapter 8, it's like weaving this idea of remembering and giving praise and thanks... Is part of our lives. So now in light of Christ, we do remember. We do have the Holy Spirit. But that's why worship, it's a new layer for me for why we worship together, mm-hmm. is to speak these things to one another, to never forget. Right. And don't think for a second that the clothes we have, the food we eat, the houses we live in, we earn this on our own. It's like remembering that we give thanks to God for every good gift we have. That's part of the worshiping kind of rhythm of our life. And so this, in chapter 8, he does drop the statement that Jesus quotes when he's being tempted in the oh, wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, it's Moses is like preparing them for the actual blessings they're going to be walking into. Yeah. And he's trying to remind them, like, remember, and this is where he drops, uh, uh, he humbled you and let, your, let, let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so again, he's like trying to say like, look, remember, like food, these houses, these land is not enough for you to survive and live. Other people have these things and die off 
Like you're about to take these things from the, these nations very easily. And remember, it's God. It's the word of God that ministers to you and nourishes you and gives you life. Well, because then in chapter 9, he's like, you're taking nations that are way mightier than you. Mm-hmm. They're sons of Anak. Like, David and Goliath seems easy compared to this. Yeah. And God goes before you as a consuming fire. So don't think it's your own righteousness. It's actually God's going before you and doing all this because of their wickedness. Yes. That was an idea yes. where it's like, yeah. I'm doing this with you because I love you. Um, but these guys are really wicked. That's why idolatry and becoming assimilated with them is so bad. They carry the death of their God. Their God can only bring death, and that's what they're carrying, and their wickedness against God has to be cleansed. Yeah. The cancer has to be cleansed. You are the freshness and the life, even though you're stubborn. So chapter 9 is kind of a callback yeah. to um, when... The calf, the golden calf. No, it's even further back. It's a callback to when God was talking to Abraham and walking Abraham around the land of Canaan, showing him, like, this land will be yours one day. Mm-hmm. I will dispossess all these people here. But their sin has not is not enough to allot their destruction yet. Uh, it's going to need another 400 years before their sins reach the point where it's, I need, so it's so bad that I have to destroy them from the face of the earth. And so now it's 400-some years later, and God's finally like, okay, that's These guys cool. are beyond the point of no return. I've given them 400 years. Right. They have not turned. Let's take it. It's Man, yours. That makes me think of how many, how long do you forgive somebody? How many times? Seven times? And right. Jesus says four times, or seven yeah. times 70. And so Jesus and God mm-hmm. has been forgiving these people yeah. and giving them opportunities to see the God of people, uh, people of God raise up and they are still stubbornly against him. Yeah, from so the time of... Abraham, through Israel's slavery in Egypt, to now. And the difference is, for the people of God, is they've had this mediator, mm-hmm. Moses, who's telling them, like, without me, you all be dead. I've been, like, there was a time when God was going to wipe you all out. Yeah, so he's like, re, he's like, you're really kind of getting to the point of, you cannot claim your own righteousness in this. No. Remember the times that you built that golden calf? Remember the times you complained about not having... That the food of God was not good enough. Remember right. the times that you you blamed God for leading you out here to die. Like, and he just lists every time that they've rebelled. And he's like, "You are stubborn and hard-hearted, but I've mediated for you between you and God, and God has listened to me." I mean, two times Moses had to go up and fast for forty days. Yeah, eating only the living off of the words Word of, of God. That's yes. amazing. So. There's a lot there in chapter 9. It's really brilliant. And then we get to chapter 10 where Moses has to make the ark. He makes this little wooden ark to put, yeah. put the uh, two tablets that he had to cut this time. But God still wrote on them. Yeah. So it's God's handwriting. And then um, he says, the Lord listened to me and was unwilling to destroy you. So like in Moses' telling of this story, it's like God was having mercy Mm-hmm. When he complained to God, mm-hmm. Moses had mercy when God complained to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then it kind of, for me, it culminated in verse 12, chapter 10, verse 12, which says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. And there's a question mark for your good. Like, isn't this not for your good? Mm -hmm. And then, behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, 
the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. So circumcise your hearts. Mm-hmm. There's the famous, like the circumcision that was assigned to Abraham, which was a sign of faith. And it was the, um, it was like the sacramental sign that you are marked off as God's people. Now he's saying as early as uh, Deuteronomy, the thing that the problem for you is your heart. Yeah. It's um, all this stuff is going to come from your heart. This rebellion comes from our hearts. That's our, our natural stubbornness and rebelliousness towards God needs to be cut off. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And we need to be marked by God. And so a circumcised heart is responding in faith to God's grace. And so it's like the New Testament ideas are not new. No. They've been, I mean, and when you read this, all you're hearing is love, 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 love. I love you, love you, I love you. And so at the end of it, I was like, and even at the end, he goes, God loves the orphan, the fatherless, the widow, the sojourner. Mm-hmm. Like God is your praise. He turns 70 people into a great nation. And, and so you, I'm just overwhelmed by the end of these four chapters with the thought that God has chosen to save us. He has thought of everything. He's made it all known. It's like he's made, he's done everything that I'm supposed to do on like date night with my wife that I don't do. Make reservations, secure all the food, secure all the questions. It's done. And all he wants is for your heart to rejoice in him and to thank and be with him. And yet that is the part of our heart and our brokenness that early on in the story, God is uh, trying to overcome. Mm -hmm. And ultimately we know he'll overcome it through the death of his own son and uh, the service of Christ, which will give us new hearts, which is what we needed. It's pretty amazing. It is. It go, this will go actually really well with some of our Luke reading today. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but we'll save it for mm-hmm. that. Anything else we need to say about Deuteronomy? That, I, I mean, mean I, think, I think we covered it pretty I, nicely. But I would say everyone just, I, I'm going to go back and read it because to get the heart of God. Yeah, man, Deuteronomy in, 6 and 10. Who knew? 6 through 10, man. He's he's putting himself out there for us, being very clear. You know? yeah. I love you. Love me back. So it is kind of the blues for God, not for us. Mm-hmm. That's the flip. All right, let's go to our, our New Testament reading for today. Our New Testament reading for today is Luke chapter 11, 30, verse 33 through chapter 12, verse 34. Well, I like that Jesus eats with Pharisees, too. Yeah, so... He gets invited. Well, we actually start in 33. What? Yeah. Why am I always off? <laughs> oh, a light. The yeah, so this is brilliant. You talk about this. This is brilliant, <laughs> like, with our transitioning from Deuteronomy, where God wants your heart. Yes. And so this one is about the light in us, and... Uh, it's no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand mm. so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. And this idea that the light of God, the light of life, your heart, when your heart is filled with the light of God, your whole body is healthy. Right. It your starts whole person, there. it starts there and it shines out through the light, mm-hmm. through your eyes. And people can see that and 
witness that. And that's where God's always starting, is he's starting in the heart, and it's going to make the whole body healthy. Well, then that does transition into what's happened to the Pharisees who have bad eyes mm-hmm. because they're starting in the wrong location. They're trying to uh, manage or create the light and control the light. From the outside. From the outside in. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. It doesn't way. work. And so Jesus is invited, I think he's invited, to have lunch. Let me see. He was speaking. Yep. Yeah, with Pharisees Pharisee. invited yep. him in to eat. So Jesus said, okay, I'll eat with you. And uh, immediately the Pharisee is judging Jesus because... Jesus has broken a pharisaical law, not a law of God. Right, yeah, because again, they're going above and beyond what the law normally would require. So in the, at least in the rich people's homes, they made ceremonial jars and baths that was filled with clean water that they could wash themselves in to make That's themselves right. ceremonially clean. And usually you only have to do that to get into the temple. You don't have to do that... Like before eating or someone's house, or you're in someone's house, um, but they were trying again to go above and beyond what God actually required of them, and so Jesus is just walking in. He's just being himself, and he does. Mm-hmm. He's fully aware of the Pharisaical laws, but he's like, I don't have to do that. I'm not a Pharisee, and I'm not going to do what you going to what you say. But it exposes like their concern, their concern, and they're trying to always like they can't overlook that. Well, what's their concern? The Pharisees' concern yes. is that Jesus is not real. Like, he's not really a man of God because he doesn't even observe their basic rules. Which their basic rules are trying to address the outward right. uncleanliness. I see what you're trying to say there. Cool. Right. And so Jesus addresses it and says, hey, uh, he actually calls them, you fools. He says, you're full of greed and wickedness, you fools. Did... Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Uh, and then he challenges kind of why, like without re- just reading it, he's challenging their hearts, like saying, you think that your extra rules are doing something for you, mm-hmm. but all they're doing is building up some pride and making you more dead on the inside. Yeah, Like you're getting love and appreciation on the outside. Oh, you're so holy. but uh, And all you care about is what others know you as. Because you can control the power. People think, oh, you're a good and loyal guy. He's like, woe to the Pharisees. You guys love all the best seats. You love all the praise, but you're dead on the inside. Mm-hmm. I, I love this too. He says, woe to you, for you are unmarked graves, and the people walk over them without knowing it. And so one of the big things within uh, this culture was they would mark all their graves because they, again, are going above and beyond everything. Right. And so in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we're learning, oh, if you touch a dead body, you're Mm -hmm. ceremonially unclean. You got to go outside the camp for seven days. Well, they were like, if you even go near a grave site, you're at risk of becoming unclean. (laughs) And so they would mark the graves to keep people from walking over the grave and becoming unclean. So he's saying, you are unmarked graves and people are walking over you becoming unclean. You are the thing you fear the most. You are so dead. You carry death. You're marked with death. And you lead other people to death because yeah. he goes on. Uh, he says that. He says, you guys are unclean. You're yeah, walking all over. Slamming you. the Pharisees. And how many people have died? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he slams them from beginning to end. And then they say to him, you're well, insulting us. No, then it's a lawyer, yeah, uh, an expert of the law, who's also, also there hearing his slam on the Pharisees. And then he's, re- he's putting together, the lawyer is going, that's a slam on us too. Right. And he looks at Jesus and says, uh, 
you're saying these things to insult us also. Like you're insulting me the as law, well. Lawgivers also, yeah. yeah. And then Jesus opens up. The, he goes, yeah, absolutely. Woe to you, lawyers. So he goes, yeah. woe to you, Pharisees. You're more unclean than you can ever imagine. Yeah. And woe to you, lawyers, because you have created a whole system of death leading people to death yeah. from death. You've just created more burdens for people and then refused to lift a finger to help them carry the burdens. And also, you honor your fathers who killed all the prophets by building up the tombs Well, that's, that's what prophets. I was thinking. Is like Jesus says by the end of it, he goes, oh, I insult you. Mm-hmm. You insult God. He sends you words of life and you kill the prophets. And you've killed everyone from Abel to Zechariah. Like, you are the problem. Yeah. You are of Cain. Woe to you, lawyers, because you're the ones who kill. Mm-hmm. You're the one, and you insult God himself. You lost the keys. He says, you lost the keys. Now, he gives the keys to the uh, disciples of forgiveness and yeah. love and life. And he's saying, you lawyers, you people of Moses, you lost the keys. And you're not only locked out, but then you stand outside and prevent others from getting in. Yeah. You're beyond oh like, the keys. So you had the keys? Like, the law what were the keys. Mm-hmm. But you lost them, and now you're preventing others from joining, which makes sense then um, when it goes into... Or I don't know if there's anything more... Well, the Pharisees that. after that, uh, the Pharisees and lawyers are like, yeah. we got to kill this guy. Yeah. All right. And then it, then it flips over to chapter 12. Which then he says, in light of this conversation, I feel like Luke's putting this mm-hmm. together. Yes, totally. He says, look, you guys, to his boys, right? Mm-hmm. He says to his... Um, because they're getting overwhelmed with thousands of people. They're like super popular now. Yeah. So things are switching from the Pharisees and the lawyers, and mm-hmm. now all of a sudden these like normal fishing fisher dudes have all this respect, and that's when Jesus goes, look, beware, man. Beware, you guys, because this is where you start to mix. The leaven mixes in. The Pharisees are leaven. They got mixed up. So they start, for power and what other people thought of them, they started replacing. Maybe it worked early on. They mm-hmm. did something right, and mm-hmm. it was from a well-intentioned place, but that tradition pushed out the word of God and became the new word of God. And so you guys need to be careful because as disciples, it's going to be very tempting to go, oh, let's go on a uh, Feed 5,000 retreat. We do these once a year where we turn bread into uh, 12 baskets of leftovers. Well, you can't do that. That's not the tradition and that wasn't the point. Or we're going to heal the blind man the way Jesus did by spitting and do it. No, no, no. You're missing the point. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I felt like as I was reading through this going, the temptation in our day and age, is to start to think that we play a bigger part than we do in it mm-hmm. and that we figured something out and that's why we're popular and that's why we have success and now we start to mix it. And Jesus yeah. says, beware, because everything you say in your heart will be revealed one day. Mm-hmm. So you think in your heart for one second that you figured out ministry and you figured out how to heal people, that's going to be revealed and that's what's happening with these Pharisees and you won't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he brings it back to the light. Whatever you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you've whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. But then he follows it up. Like, but I don't want you guys to have fear. Mm-hmm. Don't fear what the world thinks. Don't fear what people... Don't fear man. Right. You know, so... Uh, and because don't fear being liked or having a successful ministry or having... Don't fear getting too big and don't fear being too small. Because uh, you're dealing with the God who knows every hair on your head. You're dealing with the God who uh, knows the value and takes care of sparrows. And so it is a perfectly, you know, I I refer to these um, 
verses about you are more valuable than sparrows, but it's kind of cool to see that's in the conversation of you're really popular right now, but it's not going to last <laughs> Yeah, because all popularity goes as fast as it comes. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, you're with the God who um, don't, don't worry about what man, man will love you for a second and then kill you the next second. Okay. I'm starting to get a clear picture too of what, yeah. of the arc here. So the Pharisees and our just natural inclination is the moment we receive a blessing from God, mm-hmm. we receive it and then we want to manufacture more blessings, right? So right. we are instantly asking the question of what did we do? What did I do to get this blessing? Mm-hmm. If things are going well, how do I recreate that? How can I tell someone else? hey, if you just pray this way, if you do these things, if you wash your hands this way, uh, everything will go well. You will have the stuff that I have. It worked for me. It worked for me. And he's saying, stop. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. Don't get mixed up in that. Don't let your popularity go to your head. There will be a time where it will all go wrong. And all these blessings that you're enjoying right now will get flipped on you and you'll be hunted down. You'll be crucified. You'll be killed. You'll be beaten. And the temptation is to start to think, oh no, I'm doing something wrong. Right. It's a very legalistic temptation. I've lost the blessing. What do I have to do to get the blessing back? How can I manipulate God to get that blessing back? And he's going, stop. Stop. I'm with you. Don't fret about those things. I'll worry about those things. You just do what's in front of you. It's... And the phrase that comes to my mind is live sincerely. Like, so in the dark, in the light, recognize those good times were because Jesus is with you. Right. The things you have is because God's grace is upon you. He's not going to take that away. But live, be sincere about it. So like, know that I don't know why the ministry did great. I just know we love God. Mm-hmm. And we do the stuff that occurs to us that's in front of us. And, um, and Jesus even kind of going further... He says, look, if you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you. And then um, he does the, the sin against the Holy Spirit. I yeah. think this is where how we live sincerely is mm-hmm. like our job is to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, to recognize everything's a gift, ask God for guidance. If we did something a certain way and they got a, a, a specific result that we like, mm-hmm. instead of trying to turn something into a tradition that that's how we do it, we, all, we, well, we do what we did the first time, which was ask the Lord to show up. Right. And to the point where um, Jesus says, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So like living sincerely with the Holy Spirit, not in we're going to build things on what we did in the past that worked. Right. Which then leads perfectly into, I'm starting to see Luke's reasoning, right? So then he puts it into, I think one of the harder parables for... um, 21st century American Christians to understand. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, it took me a long time mm-hmm. to kind of figure it mm-hmm. out because the parable makes exact sense to how we live. Right. I mean, I in, in fact, down to this is how, like, if, if you ever have to manage money, yeah. this is the whole goal of managing money. But then you find at the end of the parable, well, here's the parable. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. Tell them the parable, Matt. Well, we start off with a scene where someone in the crowd asks Jesus kind of, so we have Moses, oh, who's yeah. playing mediator, or being mediator in, in, the, in Deuteronomy, right. and he's like going before God, and he's giving the law, and he's doing all this stuff, and he's having to make decisions, like mm-hmm. when he set up all the judges. Inheritance and, land, yeah, and, and like when people what? would come to him, and he would say, all right, this is what you get. So people in the crowd are starting to see Jesus as like, oh, is this like Moses 2.0? Right. Cool. 
And so someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Because at least he's understanding Jesus is a prophet. Yeah. And like Moses. Yeah. So, okay. So he's like, hey, make this decision. Like, tell my brother. Like, he needs to split the inheritance with me. I don't understand what he's doing. Like, he'll listen to you if you say it. Right. And Jesus says a fascinating statement, which at first has always, like, always boggled me. He says, man, who made me a judge or arbiter or arbitrator over you? Yeah. And and then he, like, moves on. Well... And I was, thing I've learned, if you read, uh, Martin Luther talks about law and gospel. Mm-hmm. And when he's talking about the gospel, I think it's in his um, commentary on the book of Galatians, he says, Moses is always the lawgiver and Jesus is always the gospel giver. And that's what this, this passage reminded mm-hmm. me of him saying that because you can't, as soon as you try to make Jesus the lawgiver, you can't. Jesus is not here to give the law. The law has been made crystal clear. God's heart has been made clear. The law has been laid out by Moses. Right. Period. Jesus is not Moses. He's a better Moses. He comes only with gospel. And so I remember reading that going, oh, that's true. So Jesus is always offering life and life abundant. Period. Yeah, he's he's offering forgiveness from the law. Exactly. Total forgiveness. Absolution. He's like, you failed it. Moses presents what you need to do to repent. Mm -hmm. Jesus gives you the assurance of salvation that your repentance has been received by God and now you are forgiven. So his response makes total sense when you look at that. He's like, I am Uh, not the arbiter. I am not the judge. Like, what what are you asking? You you don't know who I am. But let me give you this story. Yes. And this is the confusing story in line with um, kind of the leaven of our hearts Mm -hmm. where the guy, he's rich. His uh, crops have produced so well that he's saving up. And so, you know, like in today's world, they go, look, I've had a really good five years. I need a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. The financial advisor says, keep producing and let's build you some more places to store all the excess. And we even heard about this in, uh, you know, with, uh, not Joshua, um, Joseph. Yeah. You know, seven years of famine, mm-hmm. seven years to prepare for that. Well, life for us is not the story of, um, of Joseph. It's a little different. And so Jesus starts telling the story. The guy saved up, and he now has houses to store it all. And he's like, I can eat, drink, and be merry now. And mm-hmm. then Jesus has, in verse 20, but God said to him, fool. Wait, so why would God be saying this guy's a fool for saving up, producing enough for himself so that he can relax? That sounds like the perfect mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey plan of financial success. Right. And he says, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, let me disclaimer. Dave Ramsey's method is not bad or evil. But the emphasis Jesus, I think, is making is um, the emphasis is saying you make your life about building on these principles to be rich and to be comfortable. You're missing out. Mm-hmm. There's more to life. Yeah. And again, it goes back to the Deuteronomy passage of God let you hunger in the wilderness to give you food to remind you that man does not live by bread alone. And so don't let the treasures of this world dominate your decisions and your choices. Well, I was always so um, sidetracked by the whole little parable. Like, well, what am I supposed to do? What's wrong with that? That you Mm -hmm. missed the last line, which is uh, lay up treasure for yourself towards God. Yeah. So like spend time 
understanding who God is and storing yeah. up his words and storing up his signs and symbols. You well, know then I mean? he follows it up with the next section, 22. He follows this, he, he like drops this little like almost law, like you're kind of like, wait, what? And then he drops it and he's like, look, no, I'm calling you to the gospel, which is freedom. You don't have to be anxious about anything. I know. You don't have it? to worry about food. You don't have to worry about clothes. I worry about that. I've got you covered. I give that to everyone. Let's don't worry about it. If you're, we're referring now to Luke chapter twelve, verse twenty-two through thirty-four, and that is a passage worth reading over and over again throughout your life. I have many memories with this passage because it's so powerful and so hard to believe, especially the first mm-hmm. several times you read it. But Jesus is saying, "Don't be anxious about what you eat, your body, what you wear." Don't be anxious about any of that. In fact, he has our little namesake here in verse 24. Consider the ravens. Mm -hmm. Look at the birds. Look at the earth, the flowers. Nothing is dressed more majestically than the flowers. I will take care of you. And in fact, all the other nations of the world, they seek after these things. But your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be added to you. It's like he has to say it again because he knows the heart Mm -hmm. of man, that we are freaked out about what we're going to wear, what we're going to drink, Uh, We think it's all up to us. And he's like, if you live with me, I will take care of those things. You seek the kingdom of God. Where is God? To the point where sell your uh, possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's the key, right? Yeah. And did we read today in Deuteronomy somewhere? I think we read it where he said, your feet never swelled, your sandals never wore out. Like, think about how God provided for you in the desert, ridiculously. Right. And that's, Jesus brings, that's not a law, that's gospel. Like, Jesus brings the same promise that Moses said he just saw for 40 years. Yes. Jesus says, I look to the Exodus, look to the wilderness, I'm here to announce to you, I've I've got it. Don't be anxious. Yeah. Seek the things of God. Yeah. What are the things of God? Forgiveness. Love, you have enough to be generous. You have enough to give your time, your treasure, all that. So don't make your whole life about storing up treasures on this earth. The earth's going to always be corrupt by moth, be corrupt by be corrupt by thieves, be corrupt by whatever. It take you can spend your whole lifetime saving up things, and then it's gone in a moment. Mm-hmm. So we get to enjoy the things God's given to us. We get to be. Uh, uh, responsible with them but they don't dominate us and uh, I don't know so the whole I don't know at the end of this Luke passage God's I think I think God's faithfulness far outweighs our neediness and that's what he's talking to these Pharisees who have a need to be important and we have a need to be safe in our own strength and he's like God's so much more faithful than what you need Mm -hmm. and you can't possibly secure those things for yourself right so stop trying. Even the crops are a result of the sun and the moon that I made for you. Mm-hmm. So trust me, and I'll add these things to you, and you'll get to be a part of it. Don't worry. You'll get to enjoy the highs and feel the lows. Anyway, good, good reading today. Hope you enjoyed the reading. Now let's move into uh, Psalm 42. I'm excited this about this. This is a good one. All right. So speaking of God's graciousness and his heart and his forgiveness and love for his people this psalm which 
I'm pretty sure most people have probably heard this one. Yeah. Uh, a little song that starts with, as a deer pants for flowing streams, or for the waters. Uh, guess who this? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The water. Yeah, that that song. That yeah. song. Yeah. Uh, guess who that was written by? Mm. Oh no! <laughs> One of the Cora. It's the sons of Cora. What wrote this psalm? So Cora, the rebellious Levitical leader, who turned against Moses and and tried to rebel and take over oh, and so cool. and. He and a bunch of his guys got burned up by the holy flames of God from the tabernacle. Well, not all of his sons are killed. Some of his sons remained and passed down and worked in the temple as temple musicians and, and crafted some of the best psalms ever. You know what's so funny is that's probably why they rebelled because they're so emotional, all those musicians wearing their emotions on their sleeves. <laughs> it's like, we want to be... Yeah, wow. So, so cool. So we get this amazing, beautiful psalm from a redeemed line of Korah. I love it. Sweet. Psalm 42. You gonna read the whole thing? Uh, maybe. We'll see. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would I go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and multitude keeping festival? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of Jordan and from Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise again, praise him again, my salvation and my God. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.